he didn't sleep good last night. Neither did Maria, so they're they're out. It is good to have uh, the Conrads with us today, and we are going to utilize them here after a while because today is going to be Sage's last day at the church for a little while before she goes off to school. So we're going to embarrass her and pray over her today and before she leaves, and the parents too, and Jerry. We'll, we'll bring Jerry up here too. Uh, so. Uh, it'll be uh, it's a it's a special day and uh, I'm just I'm tickled to death for her. I'm a nervous wreck for you and you're not my youngin but uh, I'm I'm excited for her and what uh, what she's getting ready to experience because it's a uh, it's a it's for a, it's you got to be a special smart person to go do that and I'm I'm proud of her and and looking forward to how the Lord uses her down there. Uh, if you have your Bible, turn over to Hebrews chapter two. Hebrews chapter two. Everybody's out of place. I can't. Everybody's kind of scattered. It's it's weird seeing two youngins sit there, and that's out of place. Evidently, you're in trouble if you're having sex with Jerry. Somebody, no, don't you move. You, no, you sit down. I thought you got in trouble, and Jerry's making you sit with him. <laughs> I thought maybe Casey smelled a little bit, and you had to go over and sit with Jerry. <laughs> All right, we're going we're going to be looking at um, some scripture right here about neglect, and and we it, we tend to neglect things in our lives, and and one of the things that we tend to neglect, um, and the older you get, especially as long as as your marriage, sometimes your marriage you tend to neglect your marriage, the the, the spouse, the husband, or the wife one may neglect the marriage and, and things can happen and it can it can put a a barrier between the husband and the wife if if it's neglected uh, how many folks have have been put in a nursing home let you think about this how many folks have we seen that go into a nursing home that have been neglected now there's nothing wrong with the nursing home i'm not don't get me wrong there but once they've been placed in that nursing home they're neglected because they're not living at home people kind of forget about them that um, when I was down at Beach Valley, it was one of the things that um, that we had the opportunity to do was to go over to Hillside over in Elizabeth and preach uh, one Sunday a month. And to go into that nursing home and to see these folks and to talk to these folks. It ain't just to see them, but to talk to these folks and hear them talk about, well, you, you're the first preacher that's been here in months that, to actually talk to us or our family just stopped seeing us. It breaks your heart. We neglect people. In our lives, especially these older ones, marriage is important, and we should we should never uh, neglect that. I think our older folks are extremely important. We should glean from them. We should learn from them. They're full of wisdom and knowledge, and we need to learn from them. We should not neglect them. We should not write them off once they've been placed into a home. Now, the writer here of Hebrews tells us not to neglect the great salvation that God has given us. So we can talk about a lot of things in this world that we neglect. Sometimes we neglect family. Sometimes we neglect friends or churches or, or work, or different, just different things. We neglect things in our lives. But the one thing that the writer of Hebrews is telling us is do not neglect the great salvation that we have. I, and we're going to really pick this thing apart. Do not neglect. He didn't just say the salvation. All right, he, he took it a step further. He says do not neglect the great salvation the great salvation that we have through god 
He is, he's not talking about to, the, to the unbeliever. Okay, when he, writes, when he wrote this, he wasn't talking to the, those that have rejected Jesus Christ. He wasn't uh, talking to those that have rejected the church and rejected the gospel, rejected the scripture, rejected God. That's not who he's talking about because they don't have that great salvation. When he wrote this, he's talking to us. He's talking to the Christian. He's talking to the believer. He's talking to the one that has given their life to Jesus Christ, the one who has accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, the one that has confessed and repented and said, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. He's saying, do not neglect. Christian, do not neglect the great salvation that you have been given. Don't neglect it. Sometimes us Christians take uh, too lightly how valuable our salvation really is. There's a price on that. Is it a price that we paid? Absolutely not. Who paid that price? Jesus Christ paid that price. There's great value on that salvation through the bloodshed on that cross. There's great uh, value on that birth. There's great value on that death. There's great value on that resurrection. There's great value on that blood. There's great value on that spear that pierced his side. There's great value on the thorns that were on his, on his head. There was great value in the spikes that were driven in his hands and their feet. There was great value in all of that. There's great value in our salvation. And are we neglecting our true salvation this morning? Are you neglecting your salvation? That's a, a question that only you can answer. If you've got your Bible, stand with me just a moment. Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1 says, Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? God also bearing them witness both with signs and wonders and with divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. For unto the angels hath he not put in subjection the world to come, whereof we speak. But one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him? Or the son of man that thou visitest him? Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Thou crownest him with glory and honor and didst set him over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet, for, for in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him, but we see Jesus. I love that. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. For it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons into glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Jerry, would you mind to open us up, please?
Amen. You can have a seat. Neglect. Oh, mercy. Just that word, neglect, when you think about it, when we don't think about it that much, the things that we do neglect in our lives. And we're going to look at four different things this morning. And the first thing we're going to look at is we're neglecting our salvation if we don't make time to listen to God. We are neglecting our salvation if we do not make time to listen to God. Verse 3 goes back and says, How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? In chapter 1 of Hebrews, we're told that in these last days, God has spoken to us through his Son. And I cannot believe how the Sunday school lesson this morning has tied so closely into this message today. The Holy Spirit has spoken to us. Keith asked a good question before Sunday school. What would we do without the Holy Spirit? I can't remember how you worded it, but if if God had not sent the Holy Spirit down at, at the ascension, how would we worship? How would we listen to God? How would we hear? How would he speak to us? And I, the first thing I thought of was Old Testament. When you ask that question, I'm like, Old Testament. We go back to that. But I don't want to go back to that. I like what we got right now. I like having the Holy Spirit talking to us, speaking to us. But we got to listen to it. We have to listen to the Holy Spirit. We, and when we listen, it is through the reading of His Word. It is through praying to God. It is, and in fellowship and worship, we can hear and feel the Holy Spirit. We know that He's real. We know that He exists. We know that He is in our lives when we're together, when we're in His Word, Whenever we're in, we talked about corporate fellowship not too long ago, corporate worship. When we're all together, he's there with us. He's in in amongst us, in the midst of us. So we have the Holy Spirit in in us, but we got to listen for him. And we know that's true because God has told us that. And so we're making, are we making time to listen to him? Are we making time to listen to him? When we want to listen to someone, we make time to do so. I want you to think about this. And I don't do this anymore like I used to. But if you want to hear the news, what do you do? You come in, you turn on your TV, you turn on your radio, you turn it up where you can hear it, you sit down and you listen to it. What, do, what have you just done? You have made time to listen to the news. Same with music. There's a new song out. You want to hear it. You can't wait for it to come out. So the day that it comes out, what do you do? You buy the song, you buy the, the, the album or whatever, and you sit down, you put it in your CD player, you put it on in your car, your computer, however you listen to music, and you sit down and you listen to it. What did you just do? You made time to listen to it. There's no difference in the, in the Word of God. There's no difference in listening to God. You have to make time to listen to it like you would anything else. If you're married... Any spouses ever come up to you and said, we need to talk? What do you do? You run. No. You make time to listen to them. <laughs> I don't ever, I can't stand that. We've got to talk. Something's broke or I'm broke or something. We've got to, you got to make time for that person. You've got to make time to listen to them talk. We have to do the same thing with the Lord. We have to make time to listen. Now, when I say make time to listen, I'm not saying just stand out in the field where nobody's going to bother you. 
I'm saying get down on in the mornings and read your Bible. In the evenings, read your Bible. I'm talking about through prayer, listening to the Lord. Let Him speak to you. But you have to make time for Him to speak to you. You're going to have to pencil Him in, unfortunately. We shouldn't, it shouldn't be like that. We shouldn't be so busy that we don't have time to listen to the Lord. I, was, uh, I used to do this on my phone, but Seth, Seth Norris over at Perkinsville. If you've ever been around preacher Seth Norris... Around 10 o'clock in the morning, 10.02, what happens at 10.02? His phone goes off every day at 10.02, Luke 10.2. It reminds him to pray for the harvest every day. That's what he does. He has to make time to remember to pray for the harvest and for the workers of the harvest. Nothing against that. I did it too. I had it on my phone forever. Nothing wrong with that. But what I'm saying is it's sad that we're so busy in our lives right now that we cannot make time to listen to the Lord. We have to pencil in the Lord now. Instead of Him being the Lord of our lives, the ruler of our lives, and when we're in it for Him and we're doing all for Him and we're totally committed to Him, it doesn't work like that anymore. We have to find time. We've got to find five minutes out of 24 hours to pray or to read. We're that busy. We're, we're, we're so busy right now in this world, we ain't got time for God. So we've got to make time for God. But you have to make time to listen to Him. Clear your schedule. Clear out your mornings. Clear out your lunch break. Clear out your, your 10 o'clock break or your 2 o'clock break or your 8 o'clock in the evening before you sit down and kind of relax at home. Make time for the Lord and listen to what He has to say. He's got big plans for you, but you're going to have to listen to Him. Have we confused our sins today so that we can, can't listen to Him? Have we got it so messed up in our minds? Are we, are, we, are we living such a sinful life right now that we can't hear Him? Remember, I've always said this, Preacher Ray says, that a, a sin-filled heart will hinder your worship. If you haven't confessed your sins, ask God to forgive you of your sins. If you are so caught up in a sinful life, you're not going to hear Him. He wants you to confess to Him. He wants you to come to Him and ask for forgiveness. He wants to clean you up. He wants you to, to just like we was telling the kids at Bible school, He wants to pick you up and dust you off and say, I forgive you, and I've forgotten about it. That forgiveness is great, but the forgetfulness is even better because He ain't going to throw it back up in your face. He's not going to bring up that one sin that happened one time a hundred years ago and throw it back in your face. Because once he says, I have forgiven you, you are forgiven, my child. He says, now I forgot about it, move on. Don't do it again. But we don't ask for forgiveness. We don't go to God in prayer and ask for forgiveness. When do we go to God? When we need something. When we need something. Ain't that what kids do with their parents? They go to them when they need something. I need money. Typically is money. I need, I need clothes, which is fine. I need shoes, which is fine. I need something. We, go to the, we don't have a relationship with God where we, we can just call on Him and say, thank you, Lord, for what you've done for me. We have a relationship with God where we go to Him when we are in need of something. How about going to Him and asking for forgiveness? How about going to Him and asking Him to clean you up? How about going to Him and saying, Lord, I have forsaken you. I have let you down. I have sinned. I have hurt you. I've hurt myself. I have hurt my family. I've hurt my church. Lord, I am sorry for what I have done. Please forgive me. And He'll say, I forgive you. 
and it's going to clear you out, and then you can start listening. Then you're going to start hearing him. That still small voice is just going to start chirping away, and you're going to hear what he has to say to you. It's going to make you feel a little bit better. I promise you that. Find a quiet place so that we're not distracted from listening to the Word of God. My study, it was so funny yesterday, so I'm sitting out in my study, and Abby's at work, Paisley and Clayton went to my mother-in-law's, Maria was on call, so she was at the hospital working, and it was nice and peaceful. Now, some of y'all probably think, because the preacher has a study, that it's nice and peaceful. Preacher has a study, but the preacher has three kids, too. So they're all the time, it's like a revolving door. Somebody's knocking on the door, coming in the door. There's a dog at the door. There's a kid at the door. There's a wife at the door. Somebody's always coming in, bothering you. It is nice. It locks, but I hate to lock my family out of the office. It's nice to have a place that you can go and not be distracted. Travis probably tells you the same thing. It is nice to go to the woods sometimes and not be distracted. And I pity the person that comes in the woods and tries to distract me. <laughs> I throw something at them. We need to find a place where it's just us and God, where it's me and God, just the two of us and nobody to bother us, and just listen. I tell you, I probably hear God speaking to me more during hunting season than any other time. It's peaceful. You're just there. You're in his presence. You're in his creation, and you just get to listen to him. Are you making time to hear from him? If not, you're neglecting that great salvation. Secondly, we're neglecting our salvation if we are not putting forth the effort. Now go back to verse 1. It says, Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Wouldn't it be nice if the Christian life was like a, like a pond where there's no current, there's no drift? It was just calm. and Not to worry about moving around. Except for me. I'll be on the banks. Y'all can be out in the pond if you want to. I ain't getting in that water. But the Christian life is not like a pond. The Christian life is more like a river, more like the ocean. There's going to be a drift. There's going to be a current. There's going to be something there that's going to be moving you around. If we was like a pond, we could get in a place in our Christian life where we're content and we can just stay right where we're at and there'll be no effort. I think about, when I think about this analogy here, I think about those ducks that they put in ponds to keep ponds from freezing. You know, they just throw them out in the middle and they kind of bob a little bit, but that's to keep the pond from freezing. Or duck hunting, where you take your decoys and you fling your decoys out in the, in the pond or the lake and they just sit. They don't really do anything, they just sit. They don't move. They're not drifting. They're not going to the bank. They're not going on out into the middle. They just stay right where you put them. The writer here of Hebrews tells us that the Christian life has a drift or a current to it, like a river, like an ocean. The Christian life is not a pond. It's not a, a body of water that doesn't move. The Christian life is constantly moving. And he's telling us that. The Christian life is, is constantly moving. It ain't just moving a little bit. It's not moving just a trickle. It is constantly in motion. We are constantly going, coming, and going. If we want to go upstream, which means if we want to grow in our Christian life, what do we have to do? We've got to paddle. We've got to work. We've got to put effort into it. How many people have you ever seen go upstream and not do nothing? None. You've got to put forth the effort. You want to go upstream? 
you better get your, your paddles out and start paddling harder. I know what some of y'all just thought, paddle faster, I hear banjos. That's exactly what some of y'all was thinking. You ever seen that bumper sticker? It's a deliverance thing, don't worry about it. It's, it's funny. But you, you don't sit in a Christian life and expect everybody else to push you around. You don't, in the Christian life, you're not sitting in this river expecting everybody to come behind you and just push you on upstream. You've got to put forth the effort. You're going to have to work. You're going to have to get your paddles out. You're going to have to start using your arms and your legs and start moving upstream. If you stop paddling, then what happens? You start drifting downstream. You start going back. You start backsliding. You start going back to a place where you don't need to be. You start going back to a place that you came from that you don't want to be back in. We've got to keep moving forward, not backwards. That means that there's no such thing as a, a freeloading Christian. We've got to keep moving. We've got to keep doing this on, not on our own, but we've got to put forth the effort. As a Christian, we're going to have to work. So last year at this time, you were at a certain place in your Christian life. This, if you can think back, I don't know what today is. What is it? 30th? 29th? 30th? If you think back one year to July 30th, 2022, or July 30th, 2021, or July 30th of 2019, because 2020 didn't exist. If you go back and you start thinking where you was in your Christian life, you're not there anymore. But where did you go? Did you go downstream in the past couple years? Or in your Christian life, have you moved upstream? Have you paddled faster, paddled harder? Have you got something, as the Holy Spirit got a hold of you, and, and you look like one of those cartoons where the, the, the paddles are just going at 100 miles an hour and it's just pushing you upstream. Does it look like you've got, got your motor on a, on a speedboat and it's pushing you upstream? Has the Holy Spirit got a hold of you and moved you so fast upstream that you ain't had time to even look back? I hope in the past two, three, four years of your life that you have moved forward upstream and that you had not went downstream. And I hope and pray in your Christian life that you ain't still in the same place that you was three, four, or five years ago. That you're actually moving in your life. You're actually doing something with your life. But I promise you one thing. You're not where you was last year or the year before. You've either, either went downstream or you're moving upstream. But we're moving as a Christian. You've either, either paddled upstream or you've drifted downstream. Neglect your salvation. If you neglect your salvation, if you neglect your great salvation, then you're going downstream. Don't go downstream. Thirdly, we're neglecting our salvation if we're not living each day concerned. We should have a concern in our lives. Verse 2 says, For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? And I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this. Preacher Bill can back me up on this one too. It's tough being a preacher. It's tough being a preacher. It can be tough. And I'm going to be held by God to a higher standard than the deacons. But here's the thing. The deacons are held to a higher standard than the congregation. 
but I want to take it a step further. The congregation is held to a higher standard than the Old Testament people. Bear with me, okay? I don't want to lose anybody on this one because this is good. All right? We should live our lives like we understand what this means. I want to try to explain it to you. The Old Testament. If you go back in the Old Testament, and you're probably thinking, I'm saved, so what does this judgment thing have to do? And I'm going to talk about judgment here in a minute. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that we're going to escape that judgment. There's going to be a judgment. It's called the judgment seat of Christ that happens. And in that judgment, those things that we did that are not pleasing to God are burned up. We know that. And all those things that were pleasing to God, all the things that we've done in the name of Jesus, when we went out and we helped our neighbor that was in a ditch, when we went out and we helped the widows or we helped the orphans, when we went out and done anything in the name of Jesus, he'll remember that. And he's going to bring that back up. So we get rewards for things like that. And we're going to be able to give those rewards right back to Jesus. We're going to be able to give all those things, all those blessings, all those rewards that we've received for the things that we have done in the name of Jesus, to honor Him, to glorify Him, to build up His kingdom. Not the things that we've done in the name of Chestnut Dale or the name of the preacher or the name of the county or whatever it is. All the things that we have done to glorify God and to build up His kingdom and to honor Him and worship Him and to praise Him, we will receive a reward for those things. And then we're going to be able to take those rewards and we're going to be able to give them back to Him. I don't want to take nothing in there with me. When I get to heaven and I bow down on my face and I'm on my knees and I'm praising Him and thanking Him for what He's done for me and I receive those rewards, I don't want to take those to my mansion. They're going to stay right there with Him because He deserves them. I don't deserve nothing. When I get to heaven, I'll tell you right now, I don't even deserve heaven. But I'm going to be able to go because I put my faith and trust in Him. I know I have a home. I have a place. But I don't want to decorate my place with anything that I've earned or any reward that He's given me. Those are His. He can have them. I'll gladly give that to Him because He deserves it. Because I can't thank Him enough. I can't do anything to thank Him or reward Him enough for what He's done for me. I can't thank Him enough or reward Him enough for dying on that cross for me. So when I get there, all I'm going to do is I'm going to praise Him, and I'm going to worship Him, and I'm just going to thank Him, because I'm going to have all eternity to do it. So I'm just going to thank Him for all eternity. But the only thing that's going to remain are those things that we did that pleased God. You're probably still wondering why are we are being held to a higher standard than the Old Testament saints. I'll get back to that. Sorry, I was chasing rabbits. Luke 12, 48 says, For unto whomsoever... Much is given, of him shall be much required. And to whom men have committed much, of him they will ask the more. In the Old Testament, God normally spoke through angels. The Bible tells us through angels and through prophets. Not always directly to the hearts of men and women. Not always. But in the New Testament, God speaks to the heart of every man and every woman through Jesus Christ. Every one of us, going back to the Sunday school lesson, through the Holy Spirit. We have that now. They didn't have that back then. We've got it now. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, through the ascension of Jesus Christ, when He left and He went back to heaven to be on the right hand of the Father, 
He said, I will not leave you comfortless. He said, I will send you a comforter. He said, I will send you the Holy Spirit, and he will dwell in you. He will be in you. It will be in you after salvation. And so through salvation, we receive it, and he's with us all the day long. We can't get rid of it. You wouldn't want to get rid of it. He's with us all the time. And so when we pray, we have the Holy Spirit interceding on our behalf. When, we're, when, when we are without words, the Holy Spirit groans for us. When we don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit helps us pray. That's how we have been given more than the Old Testament saints. It's because we have that Holy Spirit now. We have, through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, that last lamb that was sacrificed for us, through that bloodshed, we have direct access now. We have direct access to God through Jesus Christ. Fourth thing, last thing. We're, we are neglecting the true value of our great salvation if we do not believe that God can do the impossible in our life. Verse 4 says, God also bearing them witness both with signs and wonders and with divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to His own will. If you think God can't give you that miracle you need, then you don't understand how great a salvation you have. He can give you that miracle. He will give that to you if we pray in faith, knowing that He is going to hear and answer. Now, we've got to understand that it is His will. It's His will be done. And Mary's here, not bring Mary up all the time, but Mary's big old miracle back here. I mean, for what the Lord has done for her through that transplant, just, it's amazing. That is an answered prayer right there. But it's just not her. When we have Rita, and we've got Keith. Keith mentioned both of them a while ago in Sunday school with his heart attack. The Widowmaker. Keith ain't supposed to be sitting here right now. Keith wasn't supposed to be teaching this morning. People don't live through that stuff. But by God, through God, a miracle was performed. And seven years later, he's still teaching. Rita's still here. We see those. He can perform and will perform these miracles for us. What we read in the Bible didn't just happen 2,000 years ago. What we read in the Bible continues all the way into 2023. We still see God providing miracles for us. you got to believe it. He's still working. He's still providing. If you have little hope that your life can change, then you don't understand how great salvation you have. If you have little hope in your life, then you don't understand how great your salvation is. You've got to have big hope. You've got to have faith the size of a, a mustard seed, according to the Bible. But you've got to have big hope. You've got to have a love. You've got to have a, an understanding of how big our God really is. God saved me, and when I ask Jesus into my heart, every single day he is doing the same thing. He's in the process of molding me. See, that right there, to me, is a miracle in itself. Number one, I was saved. <laughs> and number two, that he's still working in me. What's that song that the youngins sing? He's still working on me or in me or on me or something like that. Still working on me. 
That's the truth. I think every adult in this church ought to be singing that right now. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. Through salvation, my heart was changed. My address changed. Heaven. Sorry. Paisley just had an aha moment. She didn't know what that was. Through salvation, things changed. But God is still changing me. He's molding me. He's making me. He's the master potter. I'm the clay. He's still molding me. That's a miracle in itself. If he, and he knows me better than I know me. If I knew me the way he knows me, I'd put forth a little bit more effort. But I know me for who I am, and so I'd have gave up on me a long time ago. It ain't worth it. That's, that's what I'd have said. He ain't worth it. Look at him. He ain't worth it. He don't do what he's supposed to do. He's not what he needs to be. I'd just give up on me. But that's not how God works. God said, I can make something out of that. I mean, think. do you ever think about potter? Do you ever think about clay? This is what I grew up in. My, both my grandma and her whole side of the family, they make pottery. That's what they do for a living. So I got to make pottery growing up. It's pretty mud. That's what that is. You're just making mud into something nice. That's what we are. We're nothing more than mud. We're just old mud. We're just old, dirty mud. We're clay. And God is just sitting there molding us. He might make us into a pretty vase, or he might be making us into a pot, or he might be making us into a plate or a cup. Or I like to make pigs when I was growing up. He might be making me into a pig. I don't know. But he's making us into something that's going to be useful. So that's what pottery is for. It's, it's useful. It's not just decoration. Well, it's not supposed to be just decoration. It's supposed to be useful. You serve with it. You use it. You take that plate and you serve your guests. You take that pitcher and you pour that water for your guest. But pottery is to be used. That's what we are. We are to be used as Christians. We're to be His hands and feet. He's molding us to make us into something that He can use and will use. I promise you that. There's coming a day when I'm going to spend eternity with Him in glory. There's coming a day when each one of us as Christians, we'll spend eternity with Him in glory. If I don't believe that, then I have neglected that great salvation that I have. That's what salvation is. It is our, our ticket to eternity with Him. Don't neglect your great salvation. Now, neglect. I want to go back to that word for a minute before we close out. I want you to think about that word neglect. What do we Neglect. I seen this a long time ago, and I've changed my ways. I neglected my family for a long, long time for two reasons. One, I was called into the ministry, and so I felt like I had to be in my study all the time getting ready for church. And then in the fire service, I neglected my family, especially Abby, when she was real little because I was in the fire service, and I felt like I had to be at every call and every training every day, every hour. Neglected her. And Maria, that was my neglect. I've seen my neglect. I have fixed my neglect. But then you start looking back at things in your life. The loss of a loved one. You know, I'd have never thought.
I'd have never thought that I should I'd spend more time with my nephew. I neglected time. The same with my grandpa. As I got older, you get your license. You know, before you license, your parents drop you off and you hang out with your grandparents. So that's great. You get your license and you're able to go on your own and you don't. So I neglected my time. Now I've got neither one of them. I can't go back. I can't change that. But I can change a whole lot of other things that I've neglected. There's things in each one of our lives that we're neglecting. Whether it's family, our kids, our spouse, girlfriend, boyfriend, Whatever it is, there's things that each one of us are neglecting. Stop. Just stop. Don't do that no more. You'll regret it. I promise you that you will regret it. But the one thing that you cannot neglect is your great salvation. Do not neglect your salvation. There was a sacrifice made for you so that you would have eternity in heaven. There was a sacrifice by God's Son so that you could freely live the way that you want to, not really want to, but freely live a life that should be pleasing to Him. There was a sacrifice made on that cross so that you wouldn't have to die. And through that salvation, through giving your life to Him, you're thanking Him for that. And you should be honoring Him for that sacrifice, for that bloodshed, for that pain and that agony and all that He went through for you. Through salvation, you should be thanking Him every single day and not neglecting the great salvation that took place, the great death the great sacrifice, the great pain, the great torture, the great separation, the great darkness, all that took place on that Good Friday. All that, that, all that took place. Don't neglect that. Don't neglect that salvation. As Christians, we have the tendency to take our great salvation for granted. And we need to remind ourselves every day how great a salvation we really have. We need that reminder. I needed this reminder today. I know that October 26th of this year, I will have been saved 26 years. And I'd say the majority of those 26 years I have taken for granted and neglected my salvation. Don't neglect your salvation, your great salvation.
there was a sacrifice for you. And we need to remember that. And we need to honor that. What we're going to do this evening, before we dismiss, is I didn't tell Sage this, I did ask Andrew about it. But Sage will be gone for a while. And so I'm going to ask the church to, to pray over Sage and the family. And I'm just tickled to death that Brother Conrad's here with me. So I'm going to let him just kind of head up that prayer, if that's okay. I'm just going to pray over her and the family. I'm, Sage, you're going to have to come up here. We're not coming back there. But you got to bring your mom and your daddy too. But I'm going to ask Sage and Jerry and Andrea. And Jerry, if you want to come up here too, just stand right here in front. And I'm going to ask church to come up here. And we're going to gather around them, and we're, we're going to have Brother Bill to pray over this family as Sage takes off. I'm sorry. <laughs> Y'all come on up here. I didn't think this was going to get to happen, and I'm so happy it is. Everybody come on up. Keep moving. Gather around them. COVID don't exist anymore. Y'all can get closer. But I'm going to ask Brother Bill, if he doesn't mind, just to pray over Sage as she moves on to, to school and pray over his family as well. Let's pray. Father, we sure do love you. Uh, Lord, we just thank, thank you for you this message that we heard this morning. Father, to be a self-evaluation of each and every one of us. Father, about our salvation.
Amen. Amen. Thank y'all. And say, uh, I mean, she's going to be coming back. So, uh, y'all, say say your goodbyes, I guess, for a little while. <laughs> and we'll dismiss from up here. I thank y'all.